Well, welcome back to Work Minus, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and quick pivots you can make to get closer to a better future of work. Today, our guest is Tracy Weimer. He's the VP of Workplace at Knoll. And this episode is Work Minus Office Buildings. Hi, Tracy. How are you today? I'm well, Neil. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Why don't you start off telling us just a little bit about Knoll and specifically what you do as the VP of Workplace there? Fantastic. Uh, Knoll is a commercial furniture manufacturer, really with its roots in um, excellent design. Um, our founder, Florence Knoll, you know, coined a term and used it for many years. Good design is good business, and we've kind of stood by that uh, value for many, many decades. Uh, we are uh, turning 80 years old, and uh, we're, we look at our role as uh, kind of stewards to the brand, and we always like to keep elevating the design conversation and keep our solutions relevant to the modern workplace today. Yeah, it's really interesting. If you go to the Knoll website, I mean, you're obviously going to see a lot of stuff about design and furniture, but it's also a lot about the workplace and about how things are changing. And recently, you guys released a new report, which you do quite often, but this one's on something called immersive planning. So why don't you introduce us to that term and what it means? I will. Um, one of the things, and before we jump into immersive planning, your know, research has always formed the foundation of what we do, uh, specifically from a product development standpoint or how we go to market with certain items. Um, we like to keep uh, relevant and uh, in the know as far as what we feel some macro patterns are that may be influencing workplace planning today. Um, one of these, that we, to your point, that we re- recently uh, introduced was this notion of immersive planning. And I think if we we've sometimes have to look at these things in the broader spectrum, the fact that um, if we look at, for example, perimeter planning, which is the planning of um, private offices around the perimeter of the building and more of the um, workstations in the center or the core of the building, that is still viable today. There's many you know, professional services firms that still do that today. There's been an evolution, though, but from you know that perimeter planning to something that's more uh, core planning, which is taking those offices off the perimeter, putting them on the core of the building, opening up the work environment to natural light. Um, there's also a planning approach that refers to efficiency, which you know, the organization is really trying to have the real estate be as efficient as possible. And there's also a planning approach referred to as adaptive, that uh, there are specific functions and, and spaces designed for specific functions, and those people go to those specific spaces for that type of engagement, for that type of function. Immersive planning is a little bit different because it's it's making the shift to a more people-centric approach to planning versus focusing on the real estate. So what immersive planning really embodies is this notion of curating different experiences. And those experiences really then become defined by the occupants of the space. So it's taking somewhat of a lighter touch, uh, but making sure that there's familiar forms, familiar environments, and a variety of these environments that people can migrate to depending on what their, the nature of their work is. But that work does change over the course of a day, a week, a project, or where they may be in the process of uh, creating the next great tool for their organization. Yeah, and in your report, you make a distinction between looking at the office as a building and looking at the workplace as an, a complete experience, which is a lot what you're talking about here. Um, another thing you talk about in the report is this difference between, you said, uh, you know, workplace is less of an industrial center and more of a town square now. Can you elaborate more on what you mean by that? Yes. You know, as we, you know, once again, it always helps to take the broader look at, at, at these items. And 
if you look historically, you know, the office was kind of a, a manifestation of, of what came out of the industrial centers, um, the efficiencies that were put into such things as um, assembly line production, that type of thing. Those efficiencies were somewhat baked into some early office planning. As we look at it today, the office is less of a cog in that machine, and it is more of a social center. It's a gathering place. Um, it's a place for people to come together and share values. It's a place where their ideas are expressed. Um, one of the things we hold up is, you know, kind of the agora, if you will, um, which was kind of this melding of culture and politics and philosophy um, and how that can almost be a metaphor for some some of the examples we see today in contemporary office planning. Now, you, you talked about this before, but do you feel like the very nature of our work, maybe in the last 10 to 20 years, has changed so much that it demands a fresh look at workplaces? Or has office design just been slow to adapt to how work has always been? You know, I think there's a little bit of both in that, that statement, Neil. Um, I, I would say office design has been, uh, because it's linked to physical real estate, and it has been relatively slow to evolve sometimes. However, you look at the work that has changed, and where it's where it's become more pronounced is the fact that obviously technology has influenced it dramatically. Um, and when I say technology, the technology that really empowers individuals um, to be connected, to be connected not only to the various networks that they need to connect, uh, but also to be connected to the social networks they need to be connected to to really be productive in today's work uh, work environment. So that whole notion of work as a social gathering point, um, I think is very much alive today. Um, I think it's very much a, a kind of a raison d'etre as far as how people think about a workplace to bring people into it, uh, to drive that. You know, one, of the, one of the words we hear uh, repeatedly these days is, you know, how do we create the vibe of, of our work environment to really stimulate some idea, ideas and to really inspire people to do their best work. Yeah. Now, you brought up the, the term productivity, which is a very important term when people talk about work and about how they interact with each other. I want to dig in a little bit deeper about this. When we're talking about immersive planning, we're talking about people, like you said, they're curating experiences, they're interacting with each other a lot. How do you feel like that affects people's productivity? Because a lot of times when we think of productivity, we think of, okay, am I am I able to focus on my own, get my work done? Do we need to expand what we mean by productivity or how do we change our office mindset for that? Well, I think we do. And and, and, and for many instances, um, it, it's a very difficult metric today. Um, you know, not every organization manufactures widgets that we can simply count at the end of the day. And from day one to day two, have we increased the output of widgets? Um, so that becomes, as I mentioned, a, a difficult metric. And I, I think I, I also want to caution, you know, that when we talk about something like immersive planning, it's not simply about the cafe or the hospitality experience. That's a component of it. This is really about curating the, the broad spectrum of experiences. So the notion of the social center or that social core is there but also the intimacy of a space that somebody feels you know, very much secure and very much capable of engaging in uh, heads-down focus work, that is available to them as well. So I, I think sometimes we get into um, the discussions of one-size-fits-all, and this is really, you know, if you could say anything about office planning, we've moved way beyond one-size-fits-all, and it truly is 
the variety of space to serve a variety of needs. When you talk about immersive planning, one thing that I've seen is that you compare it to being at least being influenced by some startup culture, but also interestingly, hospitality culture with hotels. Can you talk more about how that has really influenced office design lately? Absolutely. As we look at not only hospitality, but also the residential um, influence that is coming into the workplace. Um, some of that was, you know, the early manifestation of what was embraced by the, by the startups. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, I'm based in San Francisco, and I always said that what we're competing most against or with is, or are the cafes in, on Valencia Street and the fact that many of the startups uh, begin there. And they have that environment. They have that, that kind of uh, almost mnemonic component of what occurs at that, in that environment. And then once they become a founder, then they're trying to replicate that in their space. So this notion of hospitality and residential may have come from cafes. If we trace the roots even of uh, our insurance industry back to the, uh, the beer halls of, of England, hmm. you can maybe make, the, make a comparison to that as well. Yeah. So we look at hospitality as very much an influence of that. We look at the residential as an influence of that. However, I think we're also at this kind of crossroads in the fact that what's been so interesting is now residential design, they're getting cues from the workplace. So all of a sudden our homes are becoming almost more performance-based, that there's a, a better home office the type of thing that can be experienced. So I think we're at that crossroads where we're almost ready to help define a new workplace vernacular. And I know Noel is actively kind of engaged in helping to define that for the modern workplace. Now, as someone who's not as familiar with the whole design world, is this pretty revolutionary for the actual like office culture, office design to be in some ways leading the way in terms of design in in other fronts too? You know, I think it's a, uh, it's been an uh, evolutionary shift that's gone on. Um, I think there's, been the you know, design of objects that have always been, you know, the key elements that people would, would gravitate to and say, and they'd really admire an object and say, you know, this was a well-designed object. Now it's about how those objects perform and how they come together and what the collection of those objects, how they really function in a space that start creating an overall aesthetic that people say, hmm, now there's, there's a design experience that all these objects coming together really fosters. And that is something I'm really uh, attracted to. Well, we talk a lot about the future of work. One thing we become that comes up a lot is about automation, about artificial intelligence, about digital tools, robots, and that we're going to be kind of co-workers with these digital things that are out there. How will offices need to change in order to accommodate that, that kind of digital teammates that we have with us? Well, I think you use a good term, digital teammate. Um, I think if we look at them as just that, uh, a teammate instead of uh, um, kind of an invading force, um, I think they can, you know, somehow, if they can make it such that the humans in the space are engaged in the more thoughtful work, the more engaging work, and the robotics or even the artificial intelligence is taking taking care of some of that automation, taking care of some of that drudgery. Um once again, from a broader perspective, I think there's been this you know, prediction that you know, all these advancing technologies are going to eliminate workforces. And, and what they do is they foster a different type of workforce. They foster a different type of ecosystem that is required to not only support the work, but many times to support the technology that's been put in place. So how would you imagine uh, 
design might change as those digital counterparts become more prevalent. They're more part of everything that we do. What does design look like in those worlds? What would actually change in, in the office design? Well, I think you know, going back to the subject of our discussion, I think those environments become more immersive and more immersive and more responsive to um, not only the people that occupy the space, but the either the robotics or the artificial intelligence really fosters that recognition, fosters that seamless flow from one one experience to the next. Uh, for us, that's really that, that that transition that becomes kind of the key component for us is is how can we really foster that transition from one experience to the next, and potentially um, you know either through sensors or through robotics. Um, there's the ability to do that. I will, you know, flatly state, don't have a, a huge crystal ball here. So <laughs> we try to keep our eyes on these things and make sure that we're, we're thinking about them and um, not put a stake in the ground and saying it's adamantly going to be one or the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at everything going on, it's hard to know exactly what's going to take place. But with, you know, voice activated responses, uh, with uh, with screens being everywhere, but now screens seem to be uh, less required in certain ways. It'll be very interesting to see what happens uh, in the future in these things. Mm -hmm. Well, we also look at a, a mixture of these spaces. Um, we look at the notion of digital space, which you refer to, that may have sensors and recognition factors, and, and once again, makes that ability to flow. And when I say flow, you know, from from ideas to display or from ideas to being connected digitally to a, another person across the globe or those ideas, you know, connected to your network. But there's also the notion of analog space that is becoming more prevalent. It's like, you know, where can I go, you know, simply for that human-to-human -human connection? And many times it's a space that I need to occupy without distraction. And we really need to go somewhere to sort things out and to, you know, to use the term roll up our sleeves and really get into the nuts and bolts of what's going on here. And then there's also this notion of intimacy. You know, how do you create a sense of intimacy across all these spaces such that people feel safe and secure in the work environment? Um, and I think that's becoming more prevalent as well. Yeah. All right. Well, Tracy, let's speak to somebody who's listening in that's, that maybe is working for a company that's a little bit slower to adopt they don't have a massive budget they can spend on a big office redesign. What are some simple things that they can do just to change it to make it a more immersive experience? Well, I think, and this is a good question, and I think one of the things we run into a lot is like exactly that. How do you insert um, an immersive moment into an existing um, platform? And sometimes that is as simple as you know changing a different, creating a different environment, creating an environment that might be outside the norm. Um, if the efficiency of the planning was such that you went to kind of a one-size-fits-all model, um, how could you mix that up? How could you create a little area of visual relief in the space that all of a sudden people recognize through either visual cues or design cues that says, this is a different experience. I can have a different experience here. I can go there for a different type of engagement. So it doesn't have to be a wholesale change all the time. Many times it can be very surgical. And I, then it's, you know, let's be frank. I mean, we're somewhat in a social experiment here in the fact that you try things, you iterate on that attempt, and you see what works. And then sometimes you have to change uh, at, at the end of it. Maybe there are tweaks constantly along the way. Now, as someone who's been involved in this industry for a long time, 
I'll just ask you about like current trends that are going on. We're kind of, it seems like we've, we've hit a cusp. There was the open office plan that was like all the rage for a while. And now it's become a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people hate it and going different things. What's your opinion on, on that? Is that something that can be built into an immersive plan or is it kind of separate from that? Well, you know, we said even at the onset, when, let's, yeah, let's be specific. Um, when there was a mass migration to benching, which are the large tables that people are gathered around, benching was when it was introduced. There was a depth to the bench as it was originally introduced in Europe. Um, and then, as Noel brought that model into the U.S., what happened is we started reducing that depth to the bench. So all of a sudden, the distance between occupants across the table was minimized. So there were some distractions that came from that. But also, it was only one aspect of the model. And, and I think what had happened from open planning, they adopted benching you know, across the board, saying it's all going to be benching. And so we're losing some of the nuances. So we lost some of the nuances in open plan that ma- really made them vital. And you know, fortunately, we're in a phase of rapid growth, most uh, employment at the moment. And so some of the some of those other occurrences, some of those you know, rooms that were breakout rooms or soft rooms or spa- spaces for people to go to, many times had to go away because we just they just needed to put bodies in there. Um, so I think we just you know once again sometimes have to take a moment from a design process standpoint, take a moment to pause and say, are we really thinking about all the people that occupy this space and what their different experiences may be? Um, because once again, it may it, it very likely will be a myriad of solutions versus one simple solution. So as we look at the open plan, we look at the fact that there's diversity in an open plan and that should really support diversity of work as well. Yeah. And and how impactful is the type of work onto the the, the design of the office? Uh, like we talk about mostly when we're speaking of this, we talk about knowledge workers and different things, but are there certain industries that, that are more adaptable to, to these types of plans than others? Well, it's, inter- it's an interesting comment. Um, and this began a few years ago where, where, and it was a little bit shocking. We had companies from multiple industries coming to us and this is oof, five years ago. And we're coming in with an, an understanding they're in a specific industry and they come in and say, oh, no, we're not in, we're not in that industry. We're a technology company. I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, there was a, a, a theory recently floated that we've all become technology workers, which made us pause for a moment. As you think about it, whatever you may be in, like we're in manufacturing business. However, we spend a lot of time with technology, you know, whether it's, you know, you know consolidating our data, whether it's integrating uh, software platforms or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, we're a manufacturer of goods. So we're still playing, you know, spending a lot of time engaged in technology. So we're kind of pondering this, this premise that are we all technology workers today? Hmm. And that being said, we use technology as a tool to do our work, and it may be done in a variety of different industries um, but at the end of the day, we're, we're really engaged in technology work. Haven't wholesale adopted that, but it's something we're considering. So it's even as we look at the notion of knowledge workers, um, it's, it's knowledge workers, but it's also technology workers that have tentacles into a multitude of, of industries today. Yeah, that's really fascinating to think about, you know, this whole swath of society and the, the workplace that is technology workers. Are we all technology companies? Um, do you ever uh, push back against companies when they when they say that and say, yeah, you you use technology, but I think 
this may be going against what your core uh, premise should be? Well, some of them, you know, really come to us with the you know, being insightful enough to understand there's unique characteristics either to what they do or the goods they make, whether goods or services they make. Um, for example, you know, we work with a lot of companies that do manufacture objects still. And, and what's fascinating, they like those objects in their space. You know, they like them, once again, as this mnemonic device to to connect them to what they do and what the enterprise at large engages in. Um, so that all of a sudden puts a demand on a different type of, of setting. You know, how do you, how do you celebrate the work that you do in, specifically if it's a physical object and make that present in your workplace to connect your workforce to the overall brand experience that your company's uh, putting out there. Um, so sometimes they come to us, you know, with that, it, kind of insightful perspective and uh, what we do is just help facilitate that you know we just help to make them make them realize that uh trace let's end on this one um it seems like everywhere you look the the workplace is getting more informal in terms of dress in terms of how people interact as someone who's kind of seen trends go- come and go do you feel like this is mo- something that's here to stay we're just going to keep getting more comfortable more informal or will there be a shift sometime in the future back to more formality well i will um go back to my crystal ball comment of earlier. Um, and I would say what, what we've experienced is the fact that formality many times is regional. Um, you know, it's, you know, and I look at it, you know, is there, is it something to, that's connected to wellness and well-being? The fact that we're, we're more connected to the outdoors. If you even think back, you know, in, in elementary school days, years ago, there were, there were school clothes and play clothes and, well, and then all of a sudden, if we had more access to outdoors, then you didn't want your school clothes to get dirty, so you put on your play clothes. Well, now if you're you know just physically more spending more time outdoors, you need to have a comfort level. And does that comfort level, as you go from indoor space to out, outdoor space, put a different kind of set of requirements on what you wear to the office? I always say, listen, if uh, if your tie is your comfort zone, go for it. Um, I think people should really you know, kind of embrace the degree of formality that is comfortable for them as well as culturally relevant for their company. Well, Tracy, I've learned so much on this show already. It's been fascinating to talk to somebody with as much experience as you and who does all this research as well. Tell us how we can stay in touch with Noel, with you, with the research you guys are doing. Well, we publish a great deal. So if you go to Noel.com, um, there's actually a research link. Uh, so we try to keep uh, that a very active component to kind of our public face. Um, and then, of course, um, our, our Twitter feeds, Instagram feeds, our, and Facebook feeds are, are, are kept up to, up, to be, up to speed as well. So, um, but I want to thank you, Neil, for the time. And I think in a, in a closing comment, as we looked at this notion of the workplace of the future, you know, we have a phrase that we, we'd like to say that there is no one workplace of the future. There is only change. Um, so I think what we try to do is keep very much poised for change um, as we embark on the future. Fantastic. A great thing to end on. Thanks so much, Tracy. Thank you, Neil.